Yeah. I love it. That's the new music. We're, we're experimenting with new intro music for the Loftus Party podcast. Doing good ding. It's great. I'm skateboarding in slow motion. There's palm trees going by. <laughs> I'm so happy. We're gonna keep. We're gonna keep doing new stuff. We're gonna keep doing new. We might use. We might use the cool uh, SoCal skateboard music uh, one more week, and then we're gonna introduce uh, Gypsy. You've got someone who's got some music, yeah? Yes, I do. Jake Hatfield. He's a local musician, so we might do a little bit of his stuff. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. This is going to be a great show. This is going to be a great show because you got you got you and me here, and then later on we got an interview with Kurt Schlichter. If you're on Twitter, I'm sure you've seen Kurt. He's outspoken. The dude's everywhere. He's he's on Rebel TV. Mm-hmm. He's on Fox all the time. He's an accomplished author. He's a trial lawyer. He used to do stand up. I mean, he oh he is, did. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, wow, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so we got a, we got an action packed show. We got an action packed show. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna jump into some politics, and then we'll get to uh, Kurt's interview. Great guy, w- wonderful dude, very entertaining. Uh, and then we'll talk a little pop culture. So right now, I guess the, the big one, the the one that's that's hanging fire everywhere, is the immigration and the children, and the and children. everybody's everybody's an evil Nazi now. And and the children uh, are are all being ripped from a mother's arm, and they're being fed to hungry uh, whales in, in the middle of the Indian Ocean. It's just the worst thing imaginable. Uh, the thing that I want to dive into right now, because this this to me embodies this is like the perfect metaphor for everything. It's that Time Magazine cover, the Time Magazine cover, uh, big red cover, red red red, uh, and you got Donald Trump. It's a cutout of him, and he's looking down at some crying child, and it's like, welcome to America. It's like some real gah, 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 gah. So you find out that that little girl wasn't separated from her family at all. She was just a, a, a cranky toddler that the Border Patrol was actually trying to help. There's a whole backstory to that, but the whole thing is is false. And so to me, it's the perfect embodiment is – uh, you you do have these illegal immigrants trying to get into the country, and we are enforcing the law. So kids are being separated or were being separated from from their parents. So so all that's very real. And but why would Time Magazine just make up an image like this and run with it, knowing it's a lie, just knowing it's false news and fake news and all that stuff? Be, well, uh, it's a rhetorical question because of their agenda. So to me, it it. It encapsulates everything. You've got a real issue. You've got fake news. You've got bombastic rhetoric. Uh, it's it's just the worst. It's just the worst, Gypsy. But th- this example is the worst example of some of the nastiest stuff that goes on coming to our border. Her husband has a good job in whatever country they came from. She has like three other children, I think all boys. She literally took this toddler from the family and paid a smuggler $6,000 to bring her and her child here. She's that's lucky not a- she's not dead and that child wasn't sold into slavery. That, that's not a happy marriage. And like, how awkward is it? How awkward is it now in that household? Like dad comes home from work. His three boys are home and, and mom and his daughter are missing and he flips out. And then like, if you're the, if you're the boys in that family, you're like, wow, mom does not like us. 
She picked picked her favorite and she left and she didn't leave and she didn't leave because uh, the government was going to throw her in jail for her political beliefs. She didn't she didn't leave because uh, a gang had had put a bounty on her head. She left because she wasn't digging it. She wasn't digging her marriage, and she th- she thought, you know what? I'll take the kid I like and have a better life in America. The kid now, I like, oh my god, isn't it? That's she made that choice. She but made that she choice. She paid the cartel six thousand dollars to do it. Oh man, if I'm her son, I'm so mad. I'm so mad. So not only did you not like me, you 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 did a Sophie's choice on your own. It's like a mm-hmm. self-imposed Sophie's choice, and then paid six grand. For a smuggler, but this is just me, and I have no facts to back this up. I have no statistics, but I honestly think the vast majority of people who arrive on our southern border, they literally just they just want a better life. They're like, man, uh, life in my country kind of sucks, and I bet I could do better in America. So I'm going to go for sound it. Like her life sucked. Well, obviously, listen, you don't you don't leave uh, three kids and a husband if it's going great. I I mean, I guess not, but he was employed. There's not a lot of violence in the town they live in. I mean, like all the things you hear about why people want to come here for a better life, corruption, violence, et cetera, didn't apply to her. (laughs) Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think that I think that's the vast majority. Otherwise, like, listen, if the government's going to cut, if the government's like, you know, you show your face around here again, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to throw you into jail. Like, and you have to run for your life. Then you go to the, the U.S. Embassy. You go to a, a port of entry. You go to San Diego or, or El Paso, and you're like, mm-hmm. "You guys got to help me. They're gonna kill me." And that's what I was, that's why all these people are crossing the border illegally. Uh, and I'll, I'll give a lot of credit uh, for Trump uh, for not for not really giving in. You know, he's gonna maintain the law and order, keep the families together. I don't. That's the other thing that I just don't. Well, I don't understand. I just don't understand. Keep them all together. Just literally get a warehouse and go. Okay. Uh, you all cross the border illegally. You can all just wait here. Everybody gets a wristband. Here you go, mom, kid, dad, son. You're all one family. You guys are all purple. It's like getting into a concert. <laughs> well, it's not exactly like that. And well, I mean, no, the reason- like when when I have when when I had uh, when my wife and I had our kids uh, here in, in in Los Angeles. Literally, they put a wristband on the kid. They put a wristband on me, and they're like, "Okay, nobody leaves unless they got their wristband on." This to this make sure is we're my all together. Thing. There's a basic thing you do if you want to make a process better and you ask the people who actually do it. The guys and gals actually working in these places know how to do it better. Somebody just needs to ask them and then give them what they need. Well, uh, seriously. So that's well, that's the thing, and that's I think that's the fr- frustrating thing for most Americans, because like y- you and I are are the voice of reason. Like, let's go to the people on the border, ask them how to do this. But obviously, if it's not obvious to you that every political party is using this as an issue, you know the the Democrats, the the, the crying, the weeping, the gnashing of teeth. Uh, Bill de Blasio from New York oh my goes God. down to the border and he's like hanging Let on a chain link fence. I need to talk to a supervisor. Like, no, what are you going to go do? Home. Like, why don't you go fix Rikers, and, Bill? Fix Rikers. And this, and this to me is, oh, fix, fix Rikers. How about this? Fix the trains, fix the trains, fix the roads, fix, fix the something. potholes. Do something in your own hometown, de Blasio. Well, I mean, at least it's, he's consistent because he flew out of New York City to go protest the G8 over in Europe. He, uh, I can't I mean, believe that guy 
Oh yes. my gosh, I don't know when he's up again. But this is all, uh, it, it's so painfully obvious. Uh, the left is saying, look at look at the Nazis, look at the evil people. And Tucker Carlson did a great uh, little monologue about this the other night. When When the left can define anyone who disagrees with them as evil, uh, then it's over because you don't have to talk to evil. You don't have to negotiate with evil. You don't have to compromise with evil. You just have to stamp it out. You have to stamp it out. And that's where it's getting dangerous right now. Do you and know it is who's evil, though? Seriously evil? Chuck who? Schumer. Chuck well, Schumer. Ted Cruz had a four point, very simple plan that should have gone through Congress to take care of the family separation issue, because right now it's based on a court ruling, based on current law. Make a new law, and the situation changes. This was always Congress's responsibility. Had a very simple four-point plan. Schumer said he was going to filibuster it. You don't care about the kids. You care about the political football, period. That's, that's, that's all of it. I know. And, and and they're whipping out this old thing. Well, we can all agree our immigration is sincerely. And I and then I, I was thinking last night, I'm like, well, maybe I'm just oversimplifying it. Maybe it's not that simple. I, but I think it is. You okay, first, we're stopping everybody at the border. We're gonna we're gonna send a clear message uh to these you there is no unless you are legit uh mm-hmm. about to be shot by your own government because of your political beliefs or your whatever, don't even bother. Put your mm-hmm. shoes down. You don't need them. You're, it, no one's coming in. We're going to go with uh, – we're going to allow the people in the line in. I think that's how you have to start. All these these comprehensive bills, I'm sick and tired of hearing about comprehensive immigration reform. We're going to do the Dreamers. We're going to do the border. We're going to do border security. We're going to do uh, welfare. We're going to do uh, ID cards and illegal immigrants. We're going to do uh, electronic IDs. No, no, one at a time, just one at a time. Uh but I, I want to get back to like we're the party of pure evil now because this is how you got the attack on Steve Scalise. If if some wacko is sitting around and he's watching MSNBC and like Donnie Deutsch the other day was like, hey, if you support President Trump, you're a Nazi. I'm paraphrasing, but that's that's really it boils down to that. You know he said it. I'm not even kidding you. I'm I, not the- even kidding you. If okay. you support the president, you're a Nazi. And then uh, Joe Scarborough tried to walk it back a little bit, uh, but they are. It has now gotten to the point where people are going to feel extremely justified doing some outrageous, outrageous acts. They it's, already it's do. Getting, they, they're like outright threatening the president's youngest son, the children of the of of the um, head of Homeland Security, Christian Nielsen. Her house got freaking surrounded. This is and it, this is not about the kids. This is about them not getting their way because it's not family separation that's ticking them off. What's ticking them off is that Trump ended catch and release, and these people can no longer just enter the interior of the company, rip off the ankle bla- bracelet, and stay. That's well, what they're really mad at. They didn't get their way just like they didn't get their way in net neutrality, and this is no different than what they did to Ajit Pai and his family. I think – I th- yes – Although this is worse, this is far worse because you have these images of crying children, uh, the Time magazine photo, that never happened. You had another congresswoman who put out a photo that was a staged photo. Oh, uh, there was one 
other country as, that went as, out today. As they as as they can portray uh, conservatives as as evil Nazis, people will do things, and not only will they think they're not doing anything wrong, they actually will think they're doing the country a great service. That's oh, no, the I, that's the great like uh, who's the, who's the chick that got uh, thrown out of a Mexican restaurant the other night? The same lady who had her house surrounded. Yeah, it's the secretary started, of Homeland Security. They just started chanting, and it's like this mob rule, and they kicked her out. And then I guess it happened to Sarah Sanders the yep, other night. Last night, yep. So literally, you have these self righteous mobs who who. If you watch, if you watch NBC, ABC, CBS, MSNBC, especially MSNBC, you think you, you literally—it's a righteous anger. And I tell you what, you guys, you gotta be aware of righteous anger. Whenever you find yourself with a pitchfork in your hand, stop and look around and go, "Okay, what am I really doing here? What's really?" But uh, it, it, it's—I don't want to be too. And it's, it's like, getting scary. It's getting scary. Someone's everybody, gonna. Everybody. Everybody forgot. Trump signed an executive order on Thursday ending family separation. Families will be detained together. He's still going to enforce the law, which is what's really taking them off. But they're going to be and, – and you know what? It, the ink on that EO wasn't even dry, and somebody registered a challenge out of the federal court in San Diego based on the Flores decision, which was what was forcing him to do it in the first place. Yeah, and I tell people need to start shouting that from the rooftops. Uh, it, you you brought it up. You brought it up on the why. podcast last week, and then uh, I've only heard you say it, and I've heard Ben Shapiro say it that it's like this Ninth Circuit Court, this Ninth Court of Appeals, whatever, uh, where they say no, no, you can't do this, blah 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 well, you blah. You can't detain children indefinitely. That doesn't sound like a bad rule to me. Well. It what sounds is. like a really bad idea to me is dragging your kid 6,000 miles and then having a press that's surprised that they're cranky and crying when they get here. Well, I, I tell you, keep everybody together uh, yep. and let's put them on a Disney cruise and send them back, send them back to their country of origin. We can just stop along the way. Just go just go right down the, the Gulf of Mexico or go on the other side. Go on the Baja Peninsula and then just. Hey, we're pulling over. Everybody, uh, Guatemala, get off. There you go. Guatemala, purple wristbands. You're home. <laughs> and the other thing that nobody wants to recognize is the true disaster that our border is because of our nearly failed state to the south. Well, it's uh, – it's yeah, it's in Mexico's interest. They, they love making this. A hundred and thirteen political candidates have been murdered in Mexico since September. Ben Dominic – from the Federalist ripped the Band-Aid off that one on MSNBC, and people were shocked. The wow. cartels are so emboldened, they killed one on television and several in broad daylight. And these were all reform candidates, anti-corruption candidates, and some of them had done great job in local office cleaning up their own towns. They're all dead. It is brutal. Mm -hmm. It is brutal. And unfortunately, uh, uh, that's I, – I can't imagine – I, I can't what I'm imagine. saying is, is something in our foreign policy needs to start encouraging these countries, Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, clean yourselves up so that your people don't have to flee. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, they, there are human rights abuses in some of those countries that are almost as bad as what you see in the Middle East. 
why aren't we holding our southern neighbors accountable the same way that we will someone ha- somewhere halfway across the world? Because yeah. of trade and, and and trade wars and tariffs and we need yeah. to cooperate. Yeah, it's I that kind of crap. I just don't like being called a Nazi. And I don't think and I don't think it's uh, good when the mainstream media says, yeah, if you support Trump, you're a Nazi and, and you're evil and you're pure evil because people won't even have to, you won't even have to have a discussion. And then you've got giant douches like uh, George Will. I'm 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 renouncing the Republican Party today. I'm no longer a Republican. He did I'm that George two years Will. ago. Oh, he's a jerk. He's a never Trumper. No, he didn't get his way. And like ultimately, and I was thinking about this last night. So so you would rather you would rather have uh, people vote for Democrats, which which you said for decades their ideas are no good. For decades you said their ideas are no good, and now because you don't like the duly elected president, you're like we should switch. It's like, what do you believe no, in, that's, man? Okay, Obviously, so you have I'm, no belief system. I'm I'm supposed to go vote for socialists? No. See, that's not going <laughs> to happen either. It's not going to happen. And I'm sorry. I like one of my senators. The other one needs to retire. But I like my person in the House of Representatives. He does a good job. And he does a good job representing most of what I believe. So, no, I am going to vote for him. <laughs> It's, He's not a socialist. It's, it's madness. And so they're like, wow, the Republicans lost George Will. And I'm like, dude, George Will hasn't been with us for a long time. And then the other one, there's this big fat jerk on uh, MSNBC all the time, Steve Schmidt. And I just love doing my impression of him because he sounds like uh, uh, one of the guys from a cartoon on Disney Channel. Steve Schmidt. He did a big, long uh, uh, Twitter thread the other day. I could no longer in good conscience be a Republican. I got to leave the party. Da, 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 da. I'm like, dude, once again, you weren't with us for ages. Like, what do you you're, – you're like literally on the payroll at MSNBC. Same as George Will, on the payroll at MSNBC. They want people to like him around the water cooler. Listen, if uh, – it just it, – it infuriates me. When uh, I, I listen, the Republican Party is no longer the party I stand for. Just hey, because we don't listen to you doesn't mean uh, we've we've sold our belief system down the river. Okay, you you know how I was during the election. You know I did not vote for Trump, Donald Trump. You know what these people make me want to do? What? Tattoo a big old MAGA on my left ass cheek and run around and make America great again clothing. I swear to God. You should do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I mean a scarf, a knit cap, a t-shirt, you know, something with MAGA across the sweatpants oh, with MAGA across it, the butt. I just, you make me want you're gonna make me do it. You've already made me decide, and I just ah! it's it's hilarious. But but like listen, on one cheek should be MAGA, and then on the other cheek should be Space Force. <laughs> Before I just want to make sure that. <laughs> that we mentioned this before before we end this segment. I think the Space Force is an awesome idea. You want to join. I, am, That's I why. do. I, I know do. you do. I, I, I want to <laughs> get that going. And I like how uh, there was a headline last night, like the Pentagon is uh, is unprepared for Space Force. Well, like, no well, then the, then the Pentagon blows. Shouldn't, shouldn't the Pentagon be, like, ready for anything? Shouldn't the Pentagon be ready for anything? Right? It's like, oh, suddenly we need to we, we need to suddenly, without any warning, increase uh, the, a branch of the military. 
uh, we're not prepared to do that. Well, the, you better get – what if there's a war and you have to uh, make the military bigger? Be prepared. Shame on smack, – smack somebody at the Pentagon around. And then I want to say this before we get to Kurt Schlichter, ladies and gentlemen, and this is because this is just beautiful and this is just a great neener neener moment. Uh, world famous socialist Bernie Sanders for the second year in a row. Yeah, that's right. Bernie Sanders, Mr. I have three houses. Yes, Mr. Bernie Sanders, I've never had a full time job. Yes, Mr. Bernie Sanders, socialism is the cure for what ails you for the second year in a row. That dude made a million dollars. One million dollars. Now, one hundred and seventy thousand. That's his uh, his his right. rate for being a senator. But the rest of that money, good old capitalism. So now, Bernie, you two time millionaire, what are you going to do with all that money? How, how are you going to give that away? Where's that all going to go? That's what I want to know. We will follow that story, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, right now, we have a guest joining us. As promised, we got the one and only Kurt Schlichter here with us today on the Loftus Party. Hey, good morning, Kurt. How you doing? I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not digging the weather. You and I now. Here's what uh, we we met briefly at a, a CPAC like two years ago. Right. An, an insanely lame, yeah. an insanely lame year. I thought it was going to be like just conservatives going nuts. It was it was very it was very tidy. It was uh, it was very l- low key, but we're both Southern California guys. I didn't I didn't know that about you. I don't know why I always I always thought you were like an East Coast guy. Oh God, no! I'm a Californian. Now, were, are you born and raised out here? Um, I I was born in Ohio, and then I moved to Northern California at like age six. Okay, hold hold the right phone. near San Francisco. I'm from Ohio. I, uh, I I grew up I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Where are you from in the Buckeye State? Cincinnati, home oh! of weird chili. <laughs> that chili's the best. Cincinnati chili. Holy smoke! Okay, all right. So uh, we won't we won't regale people with stories of of chili. I want I want to get into in, into some hardcore meat. Uh, you've you've served your country. You're quite outspoken on Twitter, and uh, you're an author. We, I don't I don't even know where to start. Let's, let's I'm start a multi talent. I'm a multi talented Renaissance man. <laughs> a Renaissance man. So so here's what I don't understand. And uh, you're a practicing lawyer as well. Yeah, that is true. I do. And, I, and I, I, I do the law thing. And you're you're a, a poet. poet. And you also I'm tour with Cirque du Soleil. Well, I'm a noted rapper. Uh, <laughs> What's your rap MC, name? Cool, MC Cool Slick and. <laughs> You know, I'm I, I continually drop rhymes and bust moves. Um, I have a lot of street credibility. Um, you know, I'm I you know I unite the east side, the west side, and the south side. You the know hell what? with those it's, north side guys. They can that's kiss my. What I've, what, that's what I was side. about to say. It's those north the north side people. They've really dug in. You can't even. I talk. know. Really, and their raps are lame and unimaginative, and mostly revolve around <laughs> what they had for lunch. A lot yeah. of food-based raps in the North Side. Yes, that's that. They're all about that, and uh, and I've seen you at a lot of the MC battles in downtown. Uh, yeah, and and it's ugly. You know, you'll get in there, and and they're just, the North Side guys are just not good. He's like, yo, 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 I was eating hummus, and you're dumbest. <laughs> right? No, that's just that's not a great rap. No, it's not. I, you, I, I, yeah, uh, 
and, and they rhyme falafel with careful. I, don't, I, I just think that's lazy. It is. It's it's lazy freestyle. Uh, and I hope someday we can bring the North Side people back into the the MC battle fold. But I think sadly we have to give up on them now because it's just just the fact that you've you've united the East Coast and the West Coast and the South Side uh, is huge. And that you know I build bridges. I'm I'm an engineer. I I you know I'm the United Nations of hip hop. <laughs> okay, it's pretty so clear. We have, we have that in MC common. Cool Slick. MC Cool Slick. That, that's that's old school, and I love it. Okay, uh, let's. I want I want to talk about uh, Indian country. I was on Twitter last night scrolling through. There was some woman saying that she she had just dove into Indian country. Uh, t- is is that your first book? Your second book? What? Oh, I don't even know what number it is. It's my second novel. The first one is People's Republic, and I'm actually writing a third called Wildfire. I'm about a third through it, and I have the cover. It is badass. Uh, <laughs> And then I've got good because that's how I judge. (laughs) Well, yes. Don't don't get me started on cover because I have a I have a publisher for the 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 other one, Militant Normals, which is coming out in October, and that's nonfiction. And you know, I'm going to write three books this year. Okay. Now, this is one thing that that like like fascinates me. I'm I'm a uh, I'm a stand up comedian and uh, and a writer. I was a stand up. You seem pretty stable for a standoff. You know what it is? You know what it is? I don't like to crank it up uh, in the early morning hours. I save I save uh, most of my comedy for the actual performance. I f- here's what I here's what I find insanely boring. If you've ever hung out with a comedian that doesn't have an off switch and they have to constantly try to prove how funny they are, that is tedious and boring, and I cannot stand it. All the comedians I used to hang out because I, I do we do like a thing at Victorville and like four of us would go up there and we'd be in the car and my wife would be in the car and they're like the least funny people. Yes, they, they're all like, I got a lot of personal issues. My mom's sick. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a lot of money for food. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. and I was I, I was doing I was still a lawyer. I was still in the army at the time, too. And I was like relatively I just liked being funny. I was a much better writer than performer. And yeah. everyone wanted to write with me because I can, you know, I'm funny. And but I would I would go out and I do shows with people wherever. And I, I had this group of friends who really wanted to be full time stand ups. And a lot of them were just sad. Yeah. A lot of them were like, I got a lot of personal problems. I I, I don't know why I was always happy. Maybe that's what made me not want to stay keep doing stand up or the fact that Uncle Sam made me come back on active duty. Right. Um, it was always but, it was always a real bummer when you go out uh, you would go out on the road and you're like a, a happy go lucky guy and you would be hanging out with uh, like the bad luck schlep rocks of the world. Uh, just wowzy wow. I, I think woo, that's woo. just I think it's easier to be unhappy as a comic. Just like it's easy to, you know, if you're a girl comic, you know, hey, I got this tampon bit. Or, you know, if you're a guy, yeah. you know, what's the deal with chicks? Hey, uh, did, and a lot of people ever, would fall into what into their, uh, you know, comic stereotype. I, I remember people would push me, do lawyer jokes. And I'm like, no, I, I, I'm not a lawyer. A lawyer is just simply one of the things I do. I've got a lot of things I want to talk about. And, you know. Though I did have some funny lawyer bits, it wasn't because I was a lawyer. It was because they were. I always tried to be funny. I was funny before I was a lawyer. As you know, I was I was writing jokes in the eighties. I was. You remember NTN? They uh, you go to bars and they have those uh, trivia questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I wrote the TV ones. That's great. Remember that? Yeah, they go in like uh, you know, 
who, what was uh, what was uh, McCoy's uh, nickname in Star Trek? And then they'd have like a little joke about Star Trek. Hold on, I'm walking through the house and the dog's barking because a kid didn't bring his keys. So I'm on like a show opening the door for you. All right, that's my woke eight year old. Oh, is he one of those that like, uh, you know, I, I, I asked my dad this morning if I could go to the protest with him. And <laughs> yeah, I asked my dad, why does Trump hate uh, young Guatemalan immigrants uh, seeking a new life away from uh, economic and uh, uh, terrorist hardship? Those are my tears favorite in his eyes. Those I are my favorite. Those. Hey, so really quickly. Mine's all more like, you know, single malt. Dad, why do some people drink, you know, single malt? <laughs> how will how will these the tariffs uh, hurt the bourbon exactly. industry? Exactly. Yeah. So, hey, did you ever did you ever do stand up? How's the at, aluminum tariff regimen going to affect America's trade relations with Norway? My four year old was asking me that last night. It was crazy. Exactly. It's did you ever do stand up at at Go Bananas? Okay. <laughs> Let's see. I did the Giggle Works. Yeah. Uh, the Chuckle Barn, uh, Laffy's. Chucklees. There was a great, uh, there was a great club in Cincinnati called Go Bananas, uh, and it was fantastic. It was like in the basement. I never did anything in. The, I never did anything on the East Coast. Okay, all right. So you you came out west, and and you uh you you you've done the at age six. <laughs> at age six, wow. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't take Ohio. People were open and genuine there, and I had to get away from that. Okay, so I want to I want to get back to the writing because like it's all I can do to like churn out uh, a forty four page sitcom. That that's like a lot of work. I'm I really really admire people who write books. How do you handle uh, the full time job of of be, being a lawyer? And uh, I know you do you do Fox News a bunch. You're on a lot of those shows. And now yeah. you say you're writing three books this year. Do you do you have like a yeah. writing partner or or an assistant? How do you how do you do it? Well, I, my wife reads everything. So, but no, I, I I look. I was in the army. I was a colonel in the army. I'm a time. I know how much time. I fill up every minute. There's. It's very rare that you'll see me just sitting. Even while I'm tweeting, I'm still building the brand, writing jokes while I'm sitting. Now, actually, I think writing a, a good sitcom would be harder than writing a novel. Writing a novel is not hard. It just takes time. Because oh, I, I, I I write everything in my head before it even gets on paper. I do that in court, too. I've won most of my court cases, you know, walking the dog or jogging around. Uh, yeah, and When you're putting stuff on paper, that's the end of the process. Well, not the end, because the end is editing. But the end of that, that's that's not the beginning of the process. But a sitcom is different because you're trying you. First of all, you've got to make every line hit. And you that's that's really that. tough. Yeah, it's it's like a set. It's it, yeah. uh, writing a sitcom is a particular kind of script. Now, I've written script. I had the script option. Uh, it was about zombies. It was great. Fantastic. Uh, you know, it could have been made for like 50,000 bucks, but I never got around to making it uh, in any case. Um, but no, when you're writing a sitcom script. You're going to have to do, you know, every line has to be something. It's like my town hall stuff. I write my town hall stuff like a stand-up set. There's no fat. I don't do intros. It's your setup, punch, or tag. Yeah, and that's what you're doing with a sit-up, uh, a, uh, uh, a sitcom script. But if you read my town hall stuff, you'll see I write like a, a stand-up. Look at the look at the structure of each sentence. The joke, if I do it right, occasionally I'll read through and I'll go, dang, I, I, I didn't do it right. The the uh, the uh, the joke lands at the end of the sentence, not in the middle. Yeah, and I, did, I, didn't even, 
I didn't even uh, mention the town hall column. That that's and that thing is wildly popular. Seriously, dude. And and I'm yeah. I'm not trying to blow smoke, but like, what time do you get started? I just don't think I have. Uh, no, it, I, I, I need, don't. I need feel to like attend I'm, the I Kurt Schlichter like School of Time Management. I don't feel like I'm busy. I only do things I like, so it makes it easier. I, I'm 53. You know, I've had. I, I'm retired out of the military after 27 years. I, I I've been a lawyer for 25. I'm at the point in my life where I don't do things I don't like. So, uh, and I I feel like I've got plenty of time to do stuff. I you know I. Stopped and we watched a, a terrible movie on Netflix for a couple hours last night. And laughed What'd you at want? it and shot jokes. I don't. I don't even remember what. What was it called? Honey, the movie we watched last night. It was like Troy, and it had the crack in it. That's fantastic. Because that's yeah, there's no Troy. Like the crack. And my son's like, isn't that Norwegian? My woke eight year old. He's like, isn't that Norwegian mythology? I'm like, not. They're rolling. And of course, <laughs> then they then they had to. Then they had to they had to get to where they're going. Odysseus had to go home by the paths of the dead, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's that's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> wait, what are you doing? They like took all this stuff, and the highlight was they had this hot girl who was like, because there's always like a hot warrior girl now. You for need some that. Reason. That's that's necessary. right, and she's wearing like a little leather skirt, which you would think is hot, but underneath, really obviously, she's got bike shorts. That's hilarious. That's yeah, and hilarious. we're just rolling. But you know, I had like two hours that I, 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 you know, I, I, I had time. I didn't. No, I, I've got to be typing out more of Kelly Turnbull's adventures in, you know, Blue America, which I'm going to uh, do later this afternoon. Holy smoke! Now here's the here's the other thing that that I just because obviously I do my research. Uh, research is job one. But you're also don't you have a show on CRTV? No, it's uh, Rebel. I do it once. Rebel a TV. I knew it was one of those. Like I said, research is job one. How often do you do the show on Rebel? <laughs> just once a week. Just once a week. Yeah. Dude, seriously. You're like, are, are you still like on army time? Is it like, it's like, it's like 6 a.m. Get up. Uh, I, I, seriously. I, I just finished I, a script. I, I, I just finished up, a pilot that I'm I, turning in. And I feel like I've worked cool. so hard. Well, you have. If, if it's worth turning in, you have. No, I, I mean, I, 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 know what the, I know what it takes to occasion. That's, you know, just make sure every line is gold. That's the tough thing. Every line's got to be gold. Well, here's I, I and it's too funny. One of my buddies now, who's writing on Roseanne, used to write on the old Roseanne show and got out of sitcoms, uh, like 2004, 2005. He got out of sitcoms and he started doing dramas. And he's like, "Dude, dramas are so easy. Like dramas yeah. are so much easier than sitcoms. Comedy, comedy stuff because you have you're seeking a reaction. It's like trial lawyer. Uh, I'm seeking a reaction from 12 people in the box who couldn't talk their way out of a jury." <laughs> and 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 it you're you're looking for an so when if you're doing stand up you're getting laughs I mean Twitter is like that too because I get instant feedback that's why I do it. it's my Sudoku you know Dude, some your, people are like I want to do a are puzzle hilarious well I just love writing jokes I always have since I was a little kid we had a very funny street and you know you you got street cred if you were funny yeah. People appreciated that. Uh, Greg Gutfeld actually grew up in the same town I did at the same oh, time. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I probably ran into him cruising the El Camino in San Mateo. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. But, okay, go ahead, go ahead. But uh, no, I mean, it's and, – and you have to get a sense of how to write a joke. Yeah. It takes a while. I never had a systematic approach to it. I did it for years and years. Uh, and then I fell in with a guy named Greg Dean who does uh, – did like comedy workshops. I broke up with this chick. Because her dog died and there was nothing left, no reason to talk to her. 
So I started doing, I, 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 I'm going to try stand up. So I go to a stand up workshop, guy named Greg D. And he actually sketched out how a joke works. And I understood instinctively, I didn't know how to do it in words. Yeah. And, and I, mean, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a system for thinking. I'm like, that's what I've been doing. And, you know, after that, I started getting, uh, you know, I, I didn't make a lot of money, but I got a lot of people wanting to write with me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, it's too funny. It's like one of the guys that I started out doing stand up with back in Columbus left a, a really good law. Pra- I find lawyers are good. Uh, lawyers are good stand ups. It's 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 weird. There's like something whatever whatever drives people into like I'm going to be a trial lawyer. I guess it is a performance. They're both performances of yeah, sorts. So it it, there's like a weird genetic thread there. Now your your Twitter feed is very funny. Shamelessness. <laughs> a very a very a very shameless. Look at me. Look at me and expect something wonderful. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So no, hey, I mean, you got look. I I. It, it, I was a cavalry officer, which is the most flamboyant branch in the army. We operated ahead of all the other guys. And we, we were operating in small groups. So we were very, and we had our Stetsons and cavalry guys have been a good, good, good opinion of themselves. High opinion. I was the, and, and then trial lawyer. I mean, you literally have people going, this is my life savings. It's my business. And I'm putting yeah. it in your hands and you got to, you have to believe you are the best or you will be, you know, disavowed. I, so, I, I mean, to get, ugh. yeah, so you get up in front of a, you know, you get up in front of an audience and while I respect it, it was like, okay, worst case, I'm not going to get any laughs. So I'm going to be pissed at myself. That's the air trauma stand up. 50% of the time you are below average. Half the time you are going to say, crap, I could have done a lot better. You will always say I could. That's the there worst feeling. Great, I know. There's a great tweet I wrote today. I said, my woke eight year old. Uh, I was with my woke eight year old uh, uh, saw Stormy Daniels on the TV because we were in an airport, put down his drink and said, strippers are just tacky who won't commit. And people <laughs> were just howling at how funny that was. I thought it was funny. And I looked down and I go, I shouldn't have said drink. I should have said something specific. Yeah. <laughs> right? Chocolate. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has to be, it, you got to be specific, preferably with a K sound. Oh, put my down God. Chocolate milk would have been funnier. You got you got the case out of the chocolate milk. Cocoa. <laughs> Cocoa. There you go. You've Cocoa. doubled up. You've doubled up on the case. Oh queso. man, that's like triple Yahtzee word score, Scrabble word score. <laughs> but you you know the feeling, right? You you tell a judge, you're like, crud, I could have really crushed it. Oh, it's or you think worst. of something to top it off with, and you're like, damn it. Yes. But it's it's yes. it, 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 it's so it, it it it's so challenging. I don't want to go. It's the hardest thing in the world. It's not the hardest thing in the world. Stopping a guy with arterial bleeding after he's been shot in the gut with a AK forty seven that is much harder, and that's not something I've done. Uh, and not as and not as funny. Challenge, and it's nowhere near as funny. Okay, so here's what here's what I'm trying to do uh, with my little uh, loftest party YouTube channel podcast. Blah blah blah. I'm trying to win hearts and minds. Uh, with comedy, I'm trying to uh, disarm people and go. Oh man, I'm I'm just making I'm just having some fun with you. We're just having some laughs, and hopefully, uh, get people to to view issues uh, in a different way. I don't feel I'm wasting my time, but it's it's a long. I don't think you strategy. are. Yeah, uh, look, Andrew Breitbart, who like most of the rest of North America, was a friend of mine. He was a friend of everybody's. Uh, he he was very clear, and I I, I I really agree with him that you've got to be funny first. You got to when you're doing art and you want to get a message, you got to get the art part first. 
So if you're funny, you can start doing stuff. The thing about comedy now is there's so many areas that you're allegedly not supposed to uh, explore. And I can just feel it. It's like a giant pustule. Eventually someone's going to squeeze it and we're just going to have this burst of rebel comedy where they're talking about the things that you're not supposed to talk about now. Race, sex, yeah. uh, transgenders, whatever, you know. You know, I, I, I see a lot of people who are trying to use comedy to teach and to help people grow. Gentle yeah. laughter that helps us share. I <laughs> I would literally rather blood and glass <laughs> than have it's than have a than have a uh, gentle comedy. I put a uh, I put a set up on the on the YouTube channel uh, last week. I was out at the the Brea Improv <clears throat> and oh, I came out. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, and I and I came out I came out as a Trump supporter and it was hilarious. It's hilarious. And it was like you could just feel the you could just feel everybody in the room just be like, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. But yeah, uh, look, you what, the, it, the first guy who, who pops the zit's gonna have uh well pus all over him. But a lot of success. Well, it's people the, the the majority of the audience just howling with laughter, loving it, and a couple people looking at me with shock. And I I'm getting so many people that are like warning me. I came out as a Trump supporter, dude. I was I was on Varney. I was on Varney and Company on Fox Business. Nice. They just wanted to confirm that I actually voted for Trump. It's crazy. <laughs> well, look, the thing is, you know, if I were still doing comedy, and I'm not allowed to, uh, my last set was one where I got in a fight on stage with uh, Tom uh, Arnold. Oh boy! Okay, uh, he's he he's just a, he's just dumb. He's making he's making news. Sad. Making news. He's got the key to it all. Well, that was like 13 years ago. I've like not done it since. Though my when I do uh, actually I do jury closings much like a stand up set. Uh, I also do without jokes, but it has the same feel, and you you can see the structure. But I also do when I do uh, uh, public speaking things. I will have a high. I probably don't have a seven last per minute rate, but I probably have a two or three. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's just, but it's such good training for, yeah. for doing other things. Uh, there is because it's, uh, a, it's a way to express yourself because you're in communication with the audience. Yep. And if I were doing, if I were doing a Trump bit, of course, the first people I would seek out are the ones in the audience who are sitting there with their arms folded, scowling. They're the yeah. ones I want to talk to. Everybody, out, the guy agreeing with me, I don't care about Young lady, you seem really upset that I like Trump. Are you another <laughs> of the ones that uh, Trump banged and dumped? Because I gotta tell you, you know, yeah, like we're gonna we're gonna we're all gonna meet uh, at the Roadway Inn in Victorville <laughs> and console road, each oh other. Oh my God, I've done the Roadway Inn in Victorville. I was making I it up. I have done the Roadway Inn in Victorville. I was making that up. I think it's hilarious. No, that a- <laughs> I've done the Roadway Inn in Victorville. It's a great thing because you could do you could do like, hey, man, we're here in Victorville, not like those suck asses in Barstow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kurt, you know, do I want- 20 minutes on a meth crazed weirdos living in abandoned mines out, out on the edge of town. And they're like, I know how you feel. That's my Uncle Mort. Five, five people in the back of the room get up and leave because you've hit too close to home. I know. It's like sometimes comedy hurts. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kurt, I want to thank you for being on. Hopefully we can get you on again in the future. Uh, what's, what's the title of your next book? What's the next one you're working on? Uh, Militant Normals. It comes out in October from Hachette. All right. And, so uh, it, it's a real book. 
That's I, I I'm a dude. I'm in awe, and I I celebrate everything. People go out and get uh, Kurt's book. Uh, start cutting lawns now. Saving up for his new book. You that pre-order comes out. it. Pre-order, pre-order it, God, that get sucker. My up. <laughs> All right, Kurt. Thank you so much. Uh, I'd love to have you back on. It's too sure. much funny. I will see you. I'll see you at the Roadway Inn in, in Victor. The Roadway oh. Inn. Who's opening for who? That's the, <laughs> we'll that's the question. Have a great day, man. Adios, man. So I like that dude. So I like I like the Kurt Schlichter. I I, I definitely uh, I got some traveling I got to do, but I'm gonna I'm gonna seek that that guy out. I want to talk to him about about books and 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 comedy and and all the above. Keep your eye on that guy. He's he's going places. He's all right, everywhere. so he is. It's mm-hmm. nuts. Uh, so we got, I'm, I'm in, in happy, sad news. Uh, some of my friends were writers on Roseanne. They had the carpet pulled out from under their feet when that whole thing went down. Now they're happy again. We've got a show called The Connors that just got the green light from ABC. I, I wish, I wish my buddies and all the actors and everybody who works on the show nothing but the best. I, I, I want yeah. it to succeed. I just think it's going to be really hard to do. Well, Dan because you don't, died. You don't, Dan died once, so Roseanne will die now. Well, here's the thing: I don't know what they're going to do. I was I was texting my buddy over there. I'm like, I would just do a series of dreams. Just Darlene wakes up, uh, and her mom, you know, Roseanne won the lottery. Then she goes back to she wakes up. You like when you have a nightmare in, in a movie, and you just kind of pop up and like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, uh, my dad is dead. Psh, oh my gosh, my mom won the lottery. Psh, oh my god. Uh, we got another Becky. Psh, oh my God. You know, it's like you just right. keep going through until you finally, you settle on the reality where I hope, I don't want them to kill Roseanne, but here's the deal. The, regardless of how they do it, I just don't know where the spark is going to be. It's like doing the honeymooners without Jackie Gleason. It, it's like doing all in the family without Archie Bunker. It's like doing uh, happy days without the font. You, you need that spark. You need that, that person to say, I, I guess they'll try to do it with Darlene. My instinct is they'll try to make Darlene a bit more outspoken. Uh, she's just so dry, though, and and that's her character. She's just so dry. So yeah. we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, but I'm not. If I if I was a gambling man, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't gamble on a hundred episodes of The Connors. It's well, too- I mean, John Goodman's pretty good, though. He's great, but he's not. He's not going to come in, or maybe he will. That's what I'm Maybe, saying. You no, know, if if John Goodman comes in and goes, oh my gosh, Darlene, the next door neighbors are, I think they're in the Taliban. You know, maybe maybe you could do that. Maybe Dan could kick it off. That's a great idea. There you go. We've already yeah. solved that. I, just, well, I've always I've always liked John Goodman. So well, it has nothing I'm to do with. I mean, I love the guy. He's he's insanely talented. He's great in everything he's ever been in. But oh, yeah, maybe gosh. maybe you make it about uh, Dan. That's not a bad I, idea. My favorite John Goodman clip of all times is when he killed the frog in Oh Brother Where Art Thou. I nearly I I nearly died laughing. He's hilarious. Oh in my Oh my gosh, in Raising Arizona when oh him and the God. other escaped convict mm-hmm. are they realize the baby's on the roof and they just mm-hmm. start screaming at one another. Just yeah. funny, 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 funny. But and, oh, I want to say this ex husband. Oh yeah, Tom Arnold. That's that was so Did you hear the latest on that? Uh, the the lawyers the lawyer I mean this makes me worry for Tom Arnold it really does Michael and it makes Cohen. me worry about the media uh, but like the the lawyer Michael Cohen is like I never talked to Tom Arnold about anything it was a chance <laughs> meeting 
He goes, it was a chance meeting at a hotel. He asked for a selfie. Yeah, no, so, I know. I saw that. But like, but then how how eager is the media to tear down the president when all Tom like Tom Arnold has to go? He goes, yeah, I got the tapes. Uh, I got tapes on everything, and it's all going down. And we're gonna bring this president down. And CNN just like a little too eager to jump on it. They didn't even they didn't even call Michael Cohen. They didn't the story. And then and then there's there's Tom Arnold on CNN, and. The anchor asks him a completely legit question, and he looks like he's in a hostage video. Well, he's always got that – he's always, like, uh, fidgeted, and he's always, like, licked his lips and his eyes dart around. I guess even when he's completely sober, he looks like he's just done a bunch of coke. So I don't know. Everybody was like, oh, Tom Arnold looked like he was really in trouble last night, and he really – I'm like, that just always – that just – to me, that's how he always looks. I hope he hasn't uh, fallen off the wagon. I hope he's still – uh, well, clean and sober, but it, it definitely—it's definitely not the behavior of a of a a dude who has it all together. Like, why would you make up such a an insane lie? Yeah, I spoke to Michael Cohen. He's got tapes. We're gonna bring out the tapes. We've got everything. We're gonna take down Trump. Me and him, we're teaming up. And then, and Michael Cohen's like, I don't even know this guy. I don't even know this guy. And how stupid would Michael Cohen have to be, knowing that's the one man who can pardon him? Anyway, it's, <laughs> like really. It's, it's bad. It's just the the media is just so eager uh, to to bring down the president. It's it's really it's really funny. I saw this now great clip. Have, now you have first earlier this week, um, you had Peter Fonda with some horrific treat tweets around you know Christian Nielsen's family, around Donald Trump's son, around you know the 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 family members and children of of agents who work for ICE and Border Patrol, and you know just making some awful. Awful statements. He apologized, though. He's apologized, so he's all forgiven, and they're still going to release his two new movies, which I think is just disgusting. Boy, um, Twitter really dropped the hammer on him, right? Yeah. They really lowered the boom on that guy. They're like, hey, buddy, you better say you're sorry. It's, you better say you're sorry and delete these tweets. Meanwhile, Owen Benjamin, I found out today, lost his account for taking David Hogg to task. So they were just waiting to take Benjamin's account away. But I thought he had been gone for a long time. I hadn't seen mm-hmm. I hadn't seen I Owen on seen Twitter him, in somebody, ages. Somebody just literally brought it to my attention. I I didn't necessarily follow his timeline closely, but sure enough, he's he's gone. Ay uh, yeah yeah. It is. Uh, well, and then Tom Arnold started echoing them today about harassing the Trump children's children, so Donald Trump's grandchildren, and you know. I mean, I'm just I'm sitting here going, when when did this become OK? Like, I just don't understand it. It it became OK when their usual tactics and this goes back to what we were talking about, George Will uh, in, in the in the opening segment. When when the right got tired of losing, usually on the left, you've got people. I'm just passionate for. Uh, I'm just passionate and emotional about what I believe in. And the right could never do that. The right had to be cold and calculating. And when someone called you a racist or someone called you a Nazi, you were you were expected to take there and politely take it and then politely lose. And it's just been building up for decades and decades. So now you've got a guy like Donald Trump who fights back, hits back, and oh, it turns out there's people on the right. We're passionate, too, about what we believe, and we're tired of getting our hat handed to us and shown the door. So now all of a sudden that we're passionate and emotional, too, that can't stand. They will not let that if, – if, 
if if someone on the right gets passionate and emotional, boom, kick them off Twitter, get them off YouTube, get them off Facebook, make sure they don't exist. And uh, th- we're not even close to finding a balance yet. We're not even close to finding a balance yet. Oh, not even close. Scary. Well, especially when when Sarah Sanders was kicked out of this restaurant with her family and she said what happened on Twitter. Now they're all mad because that restaurant is going to pay a price because Sarah Sanders spoke about it. I mean, the yeah. story was already out there. It's not Sarah Sanders' fault. And hey, guys, you made the new rules. You made them. And here's what's kill. Here's what's killing me. And I want to say this to the people who listen to the podcast uh, and go to the website and all that stuff. Like, like I'm out there. I'm out there. I'm trying to play. You know, but by, by their rules. But I'm not going to be quiet. I don't want to be silenced. That's the brave part. But I got I got a bunch of people who are like warning me, like warning me. Watch out! Watch out! Okay. The next time you think about warning me, take a deep breath and think about, ooh, how can I promote? How how can I? Uh, how can I help spread the word and, and get this? Because that's, that's the only way you can survive. They can, they can get rid of you if, if you're a nobody. But uh, if, if you have a, a bunch of fans and followers, it's not so easy. Um, so anyway, uh, we digress. We digress. I want to talk about uh, Star There's some sad news in the Star Wars universe, and it's too funny. And oh, yeah. once again, I hate, I hate being right. But I, I, I hated The Last Jedi so much. Yes, you uh, did. I made a video. I put it on YouTube. And I'm like – and I just listed all the reasons. That's and like there was a bunch literally of, the closest to, to a rant I have ever seen you. Yes. Yes. And, but I'm one of millions. I and know. so, so many people were unhappy with The Last Jedi. But mm-hmm. I think they stayed away from the Han Solo movie, which wasn't bad. Han Solo is the first Star Wars movie in the history of the franchise – uh, that's not going to make money. Wow. It's, it's it's the first failure. So Disney, uh, they canceled all the standalone Star Wars movies. They were going to do a Boba Fett movie. They were going to do a one, but an Obi Wan Kenobi movie. Yeah, that's the one I was excited about. Yeah, uh, they've canceled them all. The only movie they have on tap now is uh, Episode Nine. So. Here's what happens. You start putting uh, politics into your art and people don't like it. They get turned off and you kill the goose that lays the golden egg. So you completely go off the canon to do your last movie and people are looking at it going, what was that? Oh, it was just the worst, just the worst. So hopefully, hopefully Star Wars can uh, can can write their ship. Uh, and get it together. It bums me out. I really wanted to see the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. I really did. I really did. Um, here's what else is going on. Last – oh, I saw The Incredibles. Have you seen it yet? Not yet. I would wait for Blu-ray unless you got uh, unless you got a little kid that, that desperately wants I, to see it. I don't it. have – I have a grown-up kid that desperately wants to see it. All right. Well, then then go. Uh, go yeah. But go, go to a matinee. But uh, I can't wait to talk to you about it. That will be great. That will no, be a good conversation. talk to me about it. I don't care. Well, Brad Bird, great director. Like he mm-hmm. was, he was in with the Pixar crew from Jump Street. They did uh, a lot of great movies together, and he did the first Incredibles, and it was fantastic. He did the Iron Giant, which was a Disney or not a Disney thing, but it, it's like I think Brad Bird made a deal with Pixar where he's like, "I will do this movie this way if you let me do 
the other movies I'm passionate about. You can always kind of see when a director's like, mm, I'm doing this movie because I owe them a favor. And if I do it this way, they will green light the other projects that I'm passionate about. It didn't, I didn't feel any passion uh, in The Incredibles 2. Not like the first one. The first one was great. I like it when I love it when stuff uh, emotionally resonates. I just like good movies. It, it's it's Guardians of the Galaxy was just fantastic. I can't so say enough. So was the second one. Yeah, just yeah. fantastic. Just entertain me. Uh, this last Avengers movie just entertain me. It was fantastic. I, yep. I love it. I love it. I love it. Keep your politics out of my pop culture or hide it. Hide it a lot better. You got to do so much better at hiding it. Mm-hmm. So. I want to make sure that we talk about this uh, because it's some of the the best television I've seen in ages. I don't know if you've oh, seen okay. uh, James Corden uh, from the, the Late Late Show, his carpool karaoke. Yeah, no, he cracks me up, and I like it when he does the thing with all the disgusting food on the table. You have got to see the carpool karaoke that he does with Paul McCartney. It's like 26 minutes long. It's on YouTube. It's got millions and millions of views by now. I kept seeing it popping up on Twitter and everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'll watch this. Uh, it was so great. It was so fantastic. Uh, I'm building it. I'm building it up way, way too big. But I just loved it. Paul McCartney is not getting any younger. No. And the cool thing that they did is, I guess, uh, Corden's doing a show from London. So he gets. Uh, with Paul McCartney, and he's driving around Liverpool, and they, you see, uh, you know, these places that where he grew up, and you see, here's what I was writing about when I was when we were doing Penny Lane, and here's where John and I would do this, and it's, it seems kind of like saccharine and hacky, but mm-hmm. it's awesome, <laughs> it's fantastic. I was like, I could watch it again right now. It was just fan. Fantastic. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody. So I, I invite you, I invite everybody to watch uh, James Gordon's uh, James Gordon's Carpool Karaoke with Paul McCartney. Even if you're not a Beatles fan, it's just uh, a, it's a, a life well lived. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, it's I, had, I, had a, I had a star scare this week. What'd you have? I'm scrolling through Twitter and it's already a terrible day in the morning because I just get my news, right? What's going on yeah. in the world and what are we going to be pissed about today? Right. Exactly. What's the outrage? <laughs> One of the writers from Hot Air, Jazz Shaw, who I like, met him in person, super nice guy. Um, he randomly puts a picture of Betty White on his TL from a thousand dollar pyramid, hundred thousand dollar pyramid, or whatever. Oh yeah. I just responded to him. I'm like, no, not today. He's like, what? I'm like, she's not dead, is she? He's like, no, no, no. I just thought it was a nice picture. I'm like, not Betty White. Not today. Oh, oh my gosh. I love Betty. It'll be a sad, sad day when she goes. She's the last golden girl. Yeah. I was, you know what? I'm, I'm still bummed out about Anthony Bourdain. I really am. And it's, it's, I it's mean, so. She's like 98. It could, I mean, you know, all of a sudden it's just a terrible day. And you know, when, when somebody passes like that, you know, a cultural icon, people start tweeting pictures and I'm like, no jazz, no, <laughs> not today. And he's like, what? I'm like. She's not gone. He's like, no, no. I just thought it was a nice picture. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. But haven't there been enough like scares that when when she finally does pass, you'll be like, yeah, that seemed about right. I mean, she's. I think she's 98. So, but yeah. I mean, I just love her. She's adorable. 
she's been adorable my whole life. So she's yeah, uh, everything she's been in, uh, mm-hmm. she's been she, she's done great. Oh my gosh! So uh, we'll, we'll get this in before we go. Uh, the hot dog water we did. Oh my god! <laughs> so, so some Canadian artist at some was he selling it at a festival? It was some kind of festival, and literally, if you look at the pictures, there's a full-on hot dog sticking in the bottle of water. And he's selling them it for was like called what? Unfiltered hot dog water. Now, if you look up hot dog water uh, in Don't, the Urban I Dictionary. Did. I did. Don't do it. The first result is actually the water that you cook hot dogs in. As you go further down, it's it's not a good thing. Yeah. When Michael said, Michael said, ha ha, that's a sex term. And I'm like, oh, it can't be. And I looked and I'm like, oh, geez. So it is. It is. It is. Uh, Don't look. You don't want to know. In this case, it's just literally water that a hot dog has been cooked in. Uh, but it's weird. I love it when when artists do this. When they do this, like it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous that you know they make up a couple bottles of this stuff, and then oh, he's selling it for thirty eight dollars a bottle, and then it becomes a new story, and everybody gets outraged. So that was our 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 Friday uh, pole dance question about what else would you politics <laughs> right? What, what else would you what else would you drink? What else sounds worse than hot dog water? And I think like gutter runoff wasn't that the big yeah, winner? Yeah, gutter runoff was the big winner. Yep, yep. We had toilet water and and uh, oh, belly button lint. Yeah, <laughs> but do yourself a favor and and go to the Facebook page. Uh, and go to go to Twitter and look at the responses. I, I always love the others. That's you guys. That's why we do it. That's why because you we're, are funnier than us. The, yeah, you, we're always looking for the others, <laughs> and, and they're great. I was on Facebook the other day and just uh, howling with laughter at some of the responses. So you guys, uh, we had a, a great show, and, and I think this is this is the way to to go. I love having the guests. I love doing the interviews. It's so much fun. Uh, things are going fantastic uh on on the youtube front on uh the loftestparty.com so many great articles holy smoke amy curtis uh knocked one out of the park uh with one of her more more recent articles go to the website go to the youtube channel uh go to facebook it's all good we'll see you next week you guys i love you that pilates is working out